Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Aaron has served as a pastor, a professor, a chaplain, and he has a keen interest in helping other Christians to think Christianly about all of life. So in this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your guest host, Eric Oldrop, and we have some things to discuss today. So recently, President Joe Biden declared the pandemic is over. Sources indicate that Prime Minister Trudeau will be canceling the controversial ArriveCan app. And of course, the World Health Organization is issuing warnings that the pandemic isn't over in spite of the massive vaccine campaign we've observed. So while we cannot be fully assured that the pandemic is over, it appears that the general consensus that is that it is over. So assuming we're entering a post-pandemic world, what are some of the common mistakes that Christians specifically might make as we enter into this new era? Let's start with uh, lessons directly related to church life. One of the critical mistakes I think Christians are making and may make moving into this post-pandemic period, frankly, is attending and continuing to support unrepentant churches. I understand for many it's challenging to find a church close by that preaches the truth, but the reality is the majority of Canadian churches, and I would say a large portion of American churches, have folded and sold out to the state during the pandemic. When I say folded, I don't mean they closed, but they folded to government tyranny. They failed to uphold the absolute lordship of Christ uh, over his church. Many, I believe, acted contrary to their own consciences because they were afraid of insurance issues or liability or police presence or fines. Uh, Many ran people out of their churches who in good conscience didn't want to abide by some of the unverified medical edicts that the state was imposing upon them. And they also participated in a fear narrative, Eric, and That's a problem because in the Christian faith, one of the core doctrines that is pretty critical is the doctrine of the resurrection. Christians don't live in fear. We don't fear death. We don't participate in lies. And we've been told many, many lies over the past couple of years by medical officials and politicians. And one of the one of the lies we've been told is everybody's going to die. Well, lo and behold, most of us are still here. You know, we've interacted with thousands and thousands of people and very, very, very few people lost their lives during the pandemic. The death stats in our own country have not increased any more than they would increase in a normal year over year scenario. So that's a problem. And I have respect for churches that made some mistakes and then have acknowledged their mistakes and repented of them. Although, to be honest, I'm not even sure I know of any, but theoretically I would be quite impressed with that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing among a lot of pastors is to get their heads down. They're just hoping this goes away. It's business as usual. And unfortunately, many of their congregants who disagreed with their position and acknowledged that it was a sinful position are returning. I even heard of a church in our own province in Kitchener, Ontario, that for a period of time required vaccines to attend service. So born-again Christians that in good conscience didn't want to be vaccinated couldn't attend church in person. But at the same time, this church is warm and cozy towards homosexuals participating in the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. So this is an absolute 
travesty and churches need to repent. So the one of the one of the things that um, you need to understand as a Christian is that if you just start or continue to attend churches that haven't repented, well, I'm not sure the blessing of God's going to be upon those congregations. But secondly, you're kind of verifying, at least in the minds of the leaders, that you're okay with what they did. And if you're a person of conscience and you recognize, like many of us do and did, that during this pandemic there was a violation of state authority over the church, and there was also a on a practical level, a failure to live out the resurrection hope that we have and continue to obey all the various commandments that God has put before us to be with the sick and dying, to lay hands on new elders, uh, to exercise church discipline, to, to baptize, all these things that were canceled over and over and over again for months on end. If you fail to acknowledge that, there's going to be a problem. The second thing that comes to mind is I think many of us prior to the pandemic sort of took the gathered church for granted. Now, what I mean by that is I'm, I've always been very consistent in church attendance and participation. Even when I was a little boy and my parents stopped going to church, I still did. We have a general practice as a family when we're on vacation. If there's a church nearby, we, we attend that church and we don't you know, bag off of church. It's not like we're, you know, 40 weekends a, a year Christians. We, we try to be in church 52 weekends of the year unless, you know, we get the stomach flu or something like right. that. And I think what we've seen in the past several generations is even in our own church, people that love the church, they're committed to the church, but if hockey if hockey season's on, you know, they, they're off church. If some other sport comes up, they're, they bag off church. If they're on vacation, they don't bother going to church. I think that's something we've seen. And many people during the pandemic realize how important church was, that we can't take it for granted, that at any point in time, the government could suspend it. So it would be a mistake for us to go back and keep acting like we used to act before the pandemic and to really value and cherish and appreciate the privilege, not only the command, but also the privilege we have to actually gather in person and to worship Christ as God's people. So those are two things. It would be a mistake for us to continue to support unrepentant churches, and it would be a mistake for us to take for granted the gathering of God's people. That's definitely a fair, a fair criticism. Um, but how about how about some political lessons that we can learn in a post-pandemic world? One of the things I said at some protests I spoke at, and I don't lie, and I don't back down, so I have to be consistent, is that I will not vote for anyone who was in office who either supported the tyranny that we endured or remained silent. And that means that if I am confronted with the candidate, the popular candidate who perhaps is a little more conservative leaning, but who didn't say anything under the pandemic or who participated in this lie, I will not vote for that person. I, I really think it's a it's a critical uh, critical for Christian people to be principled voters. We have seen the power that elected politicians have 
over the past couple of years to open and close churches, to open and close businesses, to decide who can travel, to decide whether you can have a funeral or a wedding and who, where you can uh, work, who, who can work and who can't work. And I will not vote for anyone who remains silent or who supported the tyranny, even if they are a conservative candidate. I will not do it. Now, if they repented of that, that would be something to consider. But I think one of the problems that Christians are going to run into in the coming years is they continue to vote pragmatically. It's like, well, if we don't vote for these tyrants that already threw us under the bus for two years back into power, we're going to end up with something even worse. Well, it's time to get off the merry-go-round. It's, it's time to signal to unrepentant politicians of all stripes that we're not going to let you get away with usurping Christ's authority over his church. And so one of the commitments I have made is not to vote for anyone who said nothing. And if that means I'm voting for someone that's unlikely to get into office, so be it. I believe in the sovereignty of God, so be it. But it's high time for us to call these people to account. I'm talking about municipal leaders, provincial or state-level leaders, and federal leaders. If they participated in a lie, if they participated in the lockdown of Christ's church, if they participated in these unethical actions, forbidding small business owners from staying open and allowing big box stores to get all of the business, this is wrong. And anybody who supported that does, does not deserve to ever hold office again. I'm also a principled voter. And I, the thing I don't understand about pragmatic voters is that they say, if we don't vote this party, it could get even worse if, for whatever, say, the NDP or the liberals get in. But for example, in Ontario, we already had a conservative government and what we have like isn't working. Like they already locked up your church. Like how, how much worse can it get? Right. You, well, this is, this is what happens. If you are over 30 years old, you can think back to several different elections that have taken place. And what generally happens, I think on both sides of the border in the U.S. and Canada, is that Christians are like, well, do we vote in the worst of the worst or do we vote for the more conservative party? And- we, we end up voting for the conservative party. And what happens is liberal parties get in and they take the country to the left. We've seen that under Justin Trudeau. Right. I mean, he's, he's radically liberal, mm -hmm. radically liberal. Almost all of his bills are religious bills. They're bills that are ideological, that pronounce, for, for instance, the, the, the content of scripture to be a myth. In yeah. our country, there's a bill now in place that has pronounced the content of scripture to be a myth. He's a radical leftist, anything goes, radically supportive of funding abortion and participating in gay prides and all that sort of thing. So what happens is Canadians vote a guy like that in, and after a while, he overplays his hand, and so they, they just need a little bit of a break. And so what, what we do, and Christians are part of this, is we vote in a conservative party. And then what the conservatives do is they just tap the brake. They just tap, tap, tap the brake. Right. They don't take the country back. They just tap the brake. Everyone's like, 
Ah, well, that was a relief. No more nonsense. And now we just kind of live in this sort of stalemate for a period of time. And after five or 10 years or a few election rounds, people get sick of the conservatives. So then they vote back in the liberals and they take us to the left. So the liberals turn left, the conservatives tap the brake. The liberals then get back in power, they turn left, the conservatives tap the brake. But you notice what's happening. As the liberals move to the left, the conservatives move to the left with them. They're far more left than they were 40 years ago. Absolutely. Not even the same party. I mean, yeah. the, the, the people that are leading conservative parties in our country today, provincially and federally, are more left-leaning than liberals were in the 90s. Mm. So th what is happening is there's a slow drift, drift to, the, to the left, and it's because Christians are terrified that these lefties are going to... You know what? The best thing that could happen, and I, I say this carefully, the best thing that could happen is these lunatic liberals get back in power and absolutely destroy the country. If that's what it takes for Christians to wake up and actually start to vote principled. Right. Because at the end of the day, over several generations, they're going to take us into absolute chaos anyway. They already have. Mm -hmm. So it's time to actually reboot the computer, so to speak. We have to actually restart the system. And this means we have to get behind people who will not tolerate these ideological wars that the lefties are trying to fight against God's people, against conservatism, and against God's church. And while on a municipal level, it's not so obvious, if you do a little research, we're coming into a municipal election here in our province shortly, you do a little bit of research, and the reason why people need to research their municipal candidates is because while they don't have as much power over, over, over policy, many of these people at a later date will be elected into provincial or federal office. They'll start off as counselors, move to the mayor's role, become members of provincial parliament, congressmen, governors, and then ultimately may, may move into the White House or into the parliament buildings in, in, um, in Canada. So when we appoint people to office, we have to do a little bit of background research and see what are their ideologies. If you, in my region, I just became aware that one of the young candidates is the guy that was behind um, the painting of the gay flags across uh, the sidewalks in Amherstburg. Well, he ain't getting my vote. Um, I don't care how nice of a guy he is. That's not the kind of person we want in municipal office. So Christians have to do their research. And it would be nice to see more Christians actually run for office instead of complaining about the politicians. But we have to vote principled. Right. And then let God do what God's going to do. Exactly. Okay, so how about how about mistakes we might make in the area of general lifestyle choices? What about, what do you have to say to that? I think it's become evident to most people that we were all kind of trapped in a system, you know, the system of the beast, so to speak. We were trapped in Nebuchadnezzar's court, Belshazzar's court. Mm -hmm. we, we were too dependent upon the system. And back in the day, you know, a year or so ago when many people were, were out of work, uh, had perhaps spent their last buck and weren't sure if they would ever get their jobs back. And by the way, many still haven't got their jobs back. So even in our own area, this is so insane. The police who refuse to be vaccinated are now back on the job. The firefighters who refuse to be vaccinated aren't. It's ridiculous. like, what sense does that make? I know. It's ridiculous. The local hospital fired nurses and doctors after 
they served through the majority of the pandemic if they weren't vaccinated. But then I know sneakily hired some of them back and basically warned them they can't tell anybody. You can work here, you're not vaccinated, but you can't tell anybody. They made them sign non-disclosures. So there's a lot of sneaky sneakiness. Your blood boil, like it does. This is people say trust the science. Are you talking about the political science? Because that's what this is. It's political science, Eric. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's actually uh, an offense to true science. It's political science. It's politicized science, and we've seen that. There's many many examples of that. So here's the thing. I I know many of the listeners have invested time, energy, and education in a career and and get paid well in that career and enjoy that career. But if you were thrown under the bus over the last couple of years, be warned, it will probably happen again. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to be prepared the next time? You know that old statement, um, you know, fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. So they fooled us once, shame on them. But if they do the exact same thing again, and people are like, well, I just didn't expect this to ever happen again. So I just went back to work for the beast. I didn't pay off my mortgage. I didn't pay off my debts. I didn't get my kids at a public education. You know, I, I continued to be uber reliant upon the beast system. I, I didn't move to a safe place. I didn't collaborate with other believers to buy uh, you know, property or to start businesses. I, I haven't been really committed to supporting businesses that are run by like-minded people. If you haven't done that, you're going to get thrown under the bus again, and it's going to mm-hmm. be kind of hard to feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you this, as a pastor, we were able to help a lot of people financially during the pandemic. If there's another pandemic or climate crisis, and there's people that have not made any substantive lifestyle choices, and now they're thrown up against the wall again, I'm going to be far less sympathetic toward their needs. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's it's impossible in a physical world to be fully disengaged from the world around us, but making incremental steps, getting yourself as much as possible unindebted from the state. Like a lot of these banks are horrible. They, they're taking your money that you're storing there and the mortgage interest you're paying and they're they're supporting the, the woke agenda. Yeah. They all readily froze bank accounts across the country for the people that protested in Ottawa. So I understand that, you know, very few people, myself included, were able to just buy our first house with cash. It sometimes takes a while to get there. But Christians tend to be too reliant upon the beast system, too indebted, and and too excited about working for godless people. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see more Christian entrepreneurs rise up and start businesses and employ like-minded people. There's safety in numbers. We have to get these beachheads up and running. We've already seen this in our area where people have moved down here to support our broader efforts. We need more of that. The temptation is for people to put their head in the sand and just to hope it all goes away because they don't like conflict and they don't want to think about it anymore and they don't want to hear another sermon on it. They don't want to listen to another podcast on it. They're just fed up with it. They're tired. Well, that sounds great, but mm-hmm. we live in a broken world and this problem is not going away. So this is our time. This is our day and age. And while there are times we need to kind of step back from the battle line and lick our wounds and get refreshed, we are in a battle. And God will sustain us through it. We we believe that. So a mistake would be to continue to be as connected to the beast system as you uh, have been previously. 
That's such an interesting thought. I was just thinking about kind of what you were saying about um, just being in community with with like-minded people. I feel like that's such an undervalued reason why for people to move. You always hear about people moving for for a job or for weather reasons or family or but like how, how often do you hear people move about like move for the purpose of a community? You know, there's a few people in our church who've done it. Right. And I respect them very highly. And I was thinking the same thing too for for kind of our, our younger listeners. Like if you're if you're maybe in high school, um when I was in high school you thought about, you know, you picked a career based on what you like doing or or how much money you can make or what kind of benefits it has or, you know, whatever. But how often do do people think of jobs where you take that into consideration? Like, am I picking up a skill where I can be less reliant on on the system or, or can I scale this into my own business? Like, I, like so many kids, I feel like nowadays just want to get their comp side degree and go work for Microsoft because they make 150 to 200 grand a year. But like how appealing is that really? Well, Microsoft says you're not vaxxed, you're fired. Like also, um, yeah, we're, we're taking away your pension, your benefits. Like, I don't know. I just, I would take that into consideration if you're, if you're a younger listener. Um, yeah, I think that that's that's a good word, Eric. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just some thoughts thoughts I had. Uh, okay, so I think many of us, uh, or at least most of us, have some major trust issues with various social social institutions. So, are those are those trust issues valid? Are they invalid? Should we just forgive and move on? How do you what do you think about that? Well, I think we we always want to live in a constant state of forgiveness. We want to forgive our, our enemies because if we don't, their garbage becomes our garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, their insanity becomes our insanity. So we want to avoid the personal offense. We want to avoid bitterness. We want to avoid losing sleep because we're so worked up about someone else's behavior. If you do that, you'll be an insomniac in no time yeah. because there's a lot of insane people in the world yeah. that are going to throw up on you, that are going to barf on you, they are going to throw their garbage on you. So we do want to forgive, but that doesn't mean we need to forget those that have not asked for forgiveness or who are unrepentant. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to social institutions, there are some social institutions that have failed us badly over the past couple of years. And while we were probably all aware that any institution that is not founded and grounded upon God's eternal law word is necessarily going to have some corruption in it. I myself have been surprised how corrupt some of these social institutions are. So I'll be straight up with you. I don't trust the medical system anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not to say if you're listening and you're a Christian nurse or you're a nurse practitioner or you're a physician's assistant or you're a physician, this is not to say that I don't trust you because I have interacted with a lot of very trustworthy medical professionals who have conducted themselves in a stellar way during this pandemic. But the vast majority of them, frankly, are failures. Mm -hmm. They may have medical knowledge that I would benefit from if I had a massive heart attack or needed surgery, but they are participating in a corrupt system. There 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 are many, many medical experts in our medical system today who know that the hospitals lied to us. Mm-hmm. who know that they exaggerated the death claims, who know that they that there are many people who rightly were concerned about the vaccines and who said nothing. For the same reason pastors said nothing. They didn't want to lose their job. 
They didn't want the headache. It wasn't worth it. They didn't want to be thrown in jail. They didn't want to be fined and charged. And these are the people we're supposed to trust to make our medical decisions. Many of them are bought and paid for, especially the science table here in Ontario, yeah. by Big Pharma. We know that. Mm -hmm. There's all sort, There's an interlacing of connections. Many of these people are bought and paid for. Many, many health experts made a killing during the pandemic. Well, I'm sorry, but you can be the best person in the world. And if, you, if someone's dangling a bag of gold in front of your nose, it's going to affect the decisions that you make. Yeah. So there's a reason to stay silent when you can make a boatload of money off this. So we have reason to be concerned about the medical system. And this doesn't mean we can't, we're not, we're not going to use it at all. I mean, we, we kind of have to, but I would like to see the privatization of medicine as another option in our country. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you have to actually pay for it, there's opportunities to hold that person accountable. So in a state system, in a socialist, socialistic medicine system like we have in our country, the problem with that is nobody cares. Nobody really cares. You're just getting paid by the state, whether, you have, whether someone has to wait in the hospital room for an hour or eight hours, like a family member of mine did recently, just to get checked up for, for a, a hernia. Um, or whether uh, they're going to help you to actually think through the, the pluses and minuses of various vaccinations or medical procedures. The system is corrupt and people are manipulated and people have been threatened. Fortunately, there's been a few good physicians that have stood up and actually had their voices heard, but most of them have been suspended or fired or let go. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. I'm going to step out on a limb and, and, and point my finger at another institution, law enforcement. I am so disappointed with police officers in our country. Now, I have some very good friends that are police officers. Because of my personality, I've always got along really well with police officers. And I appreciate, you know, what they do. And there's many good cops in our, our country, in our provinces, in our states. But I know that the majority of them didn't agree with what the government was doing to us, and they went along at any, they, they went it along anywhere. with it anyway, and they acted like a bunch of goons. Yeah, the the spectacle that I saw at the Ambassador Bridge was absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. In light of what was going on there, and the conversations that law enforcement was having with protesters, and how reasonable and peaceful the protesters were, the fact that the protesters were never once spoken to by any elected official, mm -hmm. and you got this giant row of cops coming and acting like that, my respect for them just dropped right into the toilet. Yeah. I don't I don't have respect for people that act like that. I don't have respect for what they did in Ottawa. And frankly, if you're a Christian and you're a police officer and you participated in that, you need to repent mm -hmm. because you participated in egregious evil against the people in our country and it's wrong. And we will remember that. We will remember that. You know, it's interesting when the Catholic Church especially a few years back, all these stories were coming out of Catholic priests molesting kids and Catholic priests engaged in pedophilia and whatnot. That's not to, that's not to say that, that every uh, priest was in, involved in that. Right. It may have been a small minority, but the vocation loses its trust in culture if the people that are not participating in that don't speak out. So if... The Catholic Church was actually smart. What they would have done 
is the priests and bishops and Pope and all these people that disagreed with that would have stood up and said, we denounce it, it's disgusting, it's wrong, it's sinful, not burying it and hiding it like many of them did. Right. And in the same way, there are many police officers that knew right well that what was going on was unconstitutional, that the media was lying about protesters, that politicians were not having firsthand conversations with the protesters. They were trying to frame things in a way that would benefit them financially and benefit them in the next election. They knew that and they said nothing. Yeah. This is why time and time again, when I was charged for opening my church, you know, I was the first pastor in Canada to be charged for opening my church personally, that when I was charged the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, one of them came by mail. But at least at least three of those times, the police that were issuing the ticket personally apologized to me for it and felt bad about it. It's and like, then okay. hands it to you anyway. They hand it to me anyway. So this is this is um, I understand the the, the human the, the human side of this. You know, you want to keep your job. You you went to uh, police college. It probably took you a year and a half to get in. Uh, you don't want to be thrown into the bus and charged into the police services act. Well, you know what? If if you're the the front line for the state mm -hmm. in terms of enforcement and penalizing the people. If you fail us, we have nothing. This is this is how civilizations crumble. Yeah. When police become goons for the state instead of principled people who put their hand up in the morning briefing and say, um, actually sergeant or lieutenant or captain, I have to conscientiously object to this. This is against the charter of rights and freedoms. We, these people have been peaceful and reasonable. They're willing to have conversations with us. Yeah. This is wrong and I won't participate in it. And if that had happened, problem would have been solved and mm -hmm. it would have been to everyone's benefit. That wouldn't have led to anarchy. What the police have done now opens the door for the potential of anarchy. Yeah. And that's not what we want. I'm not a libertarian and I'm not an anarchist. I believe that there are spheres of authority where God puts people in various roles and they have a responsibility to serve within those roles. And the police do not have any authority to enter churches and close down services, mm. period. Or to be intimidating our people when they're coming and going from the, the parking lot. Or fining or arresting or imprisoning ministers of the gospel who are seeking to, to, to seek and to save the lost. Yeah. So the, these, we have, we have reason to have lost trust in these institutions and it's on them to make the necessary changes in order to regain the trust that we hope they would, uh, you know, be able to have. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're talking about the, uh, the ambassador bridge protest and we were talking about um, how municipal elections might not, they might not hold as great of a weight as like provincial or, or, or federal elections, but I bet you no one expected that to happen in Windsor. I bet you no one expected Drew Dilkins like would have to deal with, would have to deal with that. You know, he never came out and spoke to one protester, nor did any counselor in the city of Windsor. And so keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, when you're voting in municipal municipal offices wherever you are, because you never know what could happen in your city or in your town. Um, I know I never expected that to happen in our town. So you know, my dad was a mayor of a, mm -hmm. of an Ontario municipality, and he was also the warden at one point of a, a whole county in our province and my dad is not um, a follower of Christ but he said to me 
there was a point in time, this is going back several years, where someone came and they wanted to fly the gay flag. And he's like, no, we're yeah. not flying the gay flag. I'm the mayor. We're not flying the gay flag on the municipal office. And in fact, we're not supporting any of these special interest groups, period. We're just going to, we're going to stick to what our job description is, you know, municipal infrastructure, policing, uh, you know, roads, these yeah. sorts of things, period. End of conversation. And that's because he was raised in what we call a Christianized society. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that everyone was Christian, but he understood that certain things are wrong. And we've lost that. So now we have people literally running for municipal office in our own city whose main platform is, I'm gay. I'm, I'm a tranny. How does that help the city at all? Like, it's got nothing to do with municipal politics. Yeah. These, are, these are ideologues who are trying to force a radical left evil agenda upon the citizenry. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because many people don't think about these issues and they just want to you know, get back to reading their Bible, they don't actually participate in fixing this problem. And we are a force to be reckoned with. If the Church of Jesus Christ wakes up, we are a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. Hundreds and thousands of people and municipalities across our country attend Christian churches. And we can have a huge influence upon these issues. So, so what are some other mistakes that, that people might make going forward? Well, I want to cover two more. The first would be very simply the temptation to go silent. So the pandemic's over and whew, that was quite a run. Mm -hmm. And wow, that was exhausting. And frankly, I still have night terrors over it. And so <laughs> I'm just going to move on and be silent. Well, there are a lot of other cultural wars to fight. We have to continue incessantly from now until we die to speak out against the sin of abortion in our country. We have to speak out against the sin of transgenderism. We have to boldly confront these quote-unquote woke Christians, i.e. non-Christians pretending to be Christians, mm -hmm. who are support, supporting these godless agendas. We have to continue to speak the truth. To a large degree, Eric, this is a word war. They throw words our way. If we're silent, they win. So we throw words back. And our words need to be anchored in a Christian world and life view that makes sense, that you know, reflect the historic norms that govern Christianized nations. And so that's, that's really important for us to continue to speak to the issues of the day. I do get this sense at times that there's a, there's a large group of Christians that stood up during the pandemic, but frankly, they're sick and tired of, of it coming up in conversation. Well, um, think about World War I or World War II. You know, World War II started in the late 1930s and went right through to the to um, the late 1940s. Years and years and years of that. Yeah. Did people say, well, you know what? It's two years in. We just want to talk about it anymore. I know people are dying, but you know what? I got a hockey game to go to. I got a soccer tournament to take my kids to. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to get down to Florida, man. It's been a while since I've been able to lay on the beach and drink pina coladas. Mm -hmm. Like, are you serious? God will give us the strength and energy to endure, but we also need to make a choice. Like, are we actually committed to righteousness or are we just committed to a life of comfort? Mm -hmm. So we need to continue to talk about this stuff and continue to educate people. The left doesn't go silent. It's Christians that go silent. The radical atheists, they're always yakking. The LGBTQ groups are always yakking and promoting and marching and putting stuff out and actively putting people in office. That's right. They're destroying lives. 
And we have a lot of Christians, they just want to go read their Bible and drink a coffee in the back porch. So we, we cannot remain silent. Finally, man, this I'm, I'm passionate about this. Let's stop supporting these public indoctrination centers, mm-hmm. these public educational institutions. Why in the world are we continuing to send our kids to these indoctrination centers? Oh, it's too expensive to go to a Christian school. Really? Uh, that's not true. You can homeschool for a very reasonable rate. When you have children, by the way, you have to have enough money to feed them. And part of raising kids is also educating them. Yeah. God will provide. He'll provide through other people. He'll provide as you steward your money properly. The more people do this, the more people speak out, the more we can pool our resources, the cheaper the cost of these educational options are. We have a classical Christian school we just started. We have 50 kids in it already. We want that to continue to grow. And there, of course, are other options. A lot of people are homeschooling and whatnot. But so I want to speak. I know there's some public school teachers in our church. And when I speak out against public education, you might think, oh, Pastor Aaron doesn't love me, doesn't like me, he's putting my job on the line. That that is not my motive or intention at all. Mm -hmm. If you are serving as a public school teacher, you must understand that you are a frontline missionary for Christ. You are in the lion's den. The radical ideologies in the, uh, yes, there's some good teachers. Yes, there are some schools that are a little better than others. But the kind of stuff that school boards are supporting and permitting in our country are literally insane. Mm-hmm. It went viral this week, this creep that teaches in the Halton school boards. Oh, That's about goodness. three hours from us. People are like, oh, I just don't want to see pictures of him anymore. What? A creep. Yeah. This man who teaches shop and technology in a public high school wearing this ridiculous long white wig thing, dressed in basically spandex attire and with these giant, massive, unrealistic fake breasts strapped on with these huge <laughs> nipples protruding from the t-shirt. And you know what? This this is like a clown show. You would not believe it unless you see it. It It, is disgusting. It's like a clown show. Yeah. And what do we have? The ridiculous empty suits and the school board stepping out and saying things like, well, you know, we respect gender diversity and we have to, you know, honor everyone's choices. And uh, okay, I I could get crass right now. I won't. But where where does this end? Mm -hmm. Like, think think of the most insane costume that you could come up with. Are we actually going to send our Christian children that God has entrusted to us by his grace as our one of our greatest stewardships to be educated by people wearing massive prosthetic breasts, mm-hmm. dressing up as furries, telling our children that anal sex is okay, telling our children you can pick your gender? Does any parent in their right mind actually think that they have enough time at the end of the day to de- to debrief and depropagandize all the subtle and not so subtle messages their children have experienced during the day? Yeah. It's impossible. You are just abusing your children by permitting them to be exposed to this godless heathen ideology. 
And you have to figure out a way to get your kids out of the system, not just as a protest, but for the sake of your children. Mm-hmm. So I, I beseech children, to, uh, to teachers, to, to think clearly about this. And we, we want Christian people to infiltrate these institutions and, and rise to the office of, of uh, tenured teachers and vice principals and principals and superintendents and bring about a change. But make sure that you're not indoctrinated in the process. Yeah. Or that you don't fail to actually take a stand because you're concerned about your job and your pension. See, these are we we are in a war, and uh, the warriors need to get out of their tents and out of their bunks and stop shining their weapons and shining their boots and go to war against the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when people sign up for the military, you know, you don't sign up because the food's great, and you don't s- sign up because you get free clothes. You sign up to fight. And when we signed up as Christians, when we joined Christ's army, we agreed to fight. Mm-hmm. And so fight we must. And we need to, as long as the enemy is swinging his sword, we need to be swinging our sword. And fortunately, our sword is a lot bigger than his. And God will use the, the resources of God's people the word of God, the spirit of God, the tenacity of God's people, the perseverance of God's people to bring about lasting change. We must believe that. I believe that. So these are the mistakes that that we need to avoid and and make sure that we continue to press forward and do great things for the Lord. Yeah. And uh, just a note to our our Christian teachers out there who are in these public, uh, public school boards and um, the public schools, I think something that might be helpful is um, – you might find yourself in a position, if it hasn't happened already, it's it surely is coming, um, a lot like our police officers. Um, so I think it would help to just kind of think about these issues beforehand and know, just have it already made up in your mind what you're willing to take a stance on. Mm-hmm. And that way, if and when the, the issue arises, like you, you've already made your decision. You know you won't crumble because you already have that so made up in your mind that you're not going to fold on that. Um, I just think that would be that would be helpful going forward. Um, so finally, Aaron, I know some people are wondering about, uh, where your legal, where your legal issues are at, uh, where they are in the process. So can you comment on that at all? Sure. Yeah, no problem. So I was talking to my lawyer this week. Um, the backstory is for those of you that may be not as familiar. So I, I was charged five times for originally five times for, um, twice for speaking at protests and three times for opening my church. Mm-hmm in violation of what's called the Reopening Ontario Act. One of those protest tickets was was tossed out because it was a case of mistaken identity. They saw someone else they thought was me and wrongly charged me. So there's four outstanding fines. Two of them are in our jurisdiction and two of them are outside of our jurisdiction, but all within the province of Ontario. So the ideas are supposed to be heard in three different courts. Mm-hmm. Those... They're, some people call them tickets. They're technically called court summonses. And a court summons doesn't have like an agreed upon financial fine attached to it. What it does is it has a range. So it says, in light of what you have done, we can charge you between $10,000 and $100,000 per incident. And we can send you to jail for up to a year. So obviously they're they're ridiculously... Uh, the, the penalties attached to them are absurd for the quote-unquote offense that's been committed. You open your church and they try to you know, threaten to send you to jail mm-hmm. for, 
for years is pretty absurd. But um, one of those tickets, one of those courts in our province offered to settle with me. So they said, so get this, instead of up to 100 grand and a year in jail, just pay us 750 bucks. And, but you got to plead guilty and we're done. Well, I said no, mm -hmm. because 750 bucks is nothing. It would be nice to get the monkey off my back, but I didn't take these fines so that I could get off scot-free. I didn't take these fines out of fear. I took these fines on principle that the ROA was wrong. It was immoral. It was a violation of government authority over the citizenry and over the church. The other couple cases, one was supposed to be heard in early October, and I'm not totally sure where the third one was, the dates for the third one. But what has happened since then, after I decided that I wasn't going to um, plead guilty under any circumstances, that if they want to find me, the court can find me guilty, but I'm, I'm not going to plead guilty of mm -hmm. something I don't think I was guilty of. Now there's been a um, kind of a pause. They've, they've all hit the pause button because there's a new uh, constitutional challenge that's just been submitted to the Ontario Supreme Court by a former politician in our province that was um, fined as well for speaking at some of the things I spoke at. So everything's on pause again, and I don't know how long this is going to take. It could be a year or two, whatever, continues to drag out. But I want to encourage people that have been fined or charged, don't back down, don't live in fear, don't try to take the easy way out. Uh, the decisions we make now are decisions we're making for future generations. Mm -hmm. And I would rather the courts declare me to be innocent or guilty and to take responsibility before God for that than for me to say I'm guilty for something I don't think I was guilty of. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of where things stand in that regard. Well, it's a principle, principled, respectful decision, I think. Well, I'm comfortable with it. I, you know, early on it's, you know, when the worst you've ever got is a speeding ticket and you get these, like it, it can be a little bit intimidating in yeah. your flesh. But um, at this point, I don't really care mm -hmm. uh, what happens in the in the tangible world. I know that those of us that were charged did the right thing. And, um, you know, we're just going to let God be God and do do as he sees fit. And we know as Daniel, Daniel and his friends prayed, the God that we serve can rescue us. But even if he does not, we yeah. still will not bow down. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Well, lastly, how about, uh, how about any other announcements? What else you got? Well, I just wanted people to be aware of some conferences that I'll be participating in, sort of conference season from September to December. So um, three of these I'm speaking at. And if you haven't had an opportunity to meet me yet, I'd, I'd love to meet some people that we've that have met online or sent emails at some of these conferences. So, so Lord willing, I intend to attempt to attend the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Mm-hmm in Knoxville, September 6th to 8th. Now that's predicated upon the ArriveCan app being canceled. We've heard through the grapevine that it's supposed to be canceled at the end of the month. I refuse to fill it out yeah. and I'm not gonna play games of the border. So if that's canceled, that would help. Uh, I, I still might be turned away if I refuse to divulge vaccination issues, which I won't do. But if if that becomes a non-issue or I'm able to get through, I'm I'm planning on making my first trip to the U.S. in what three years yeah. or something yeah. like that. So that'll while. be neat to meet some of our our brothers and uh, that are connected with the Fight Laugh Feast Network. And then Ezra Institute's having a colloquium 
in the um, in the Niagara Grimsby area on October the eighteenth uh, to twenty first, and I'm going to be speaking at that as well with with Joe Boot and and other speakers. I'm going to be looking at um, some climate change issues and mm-hmm. tying in some of the the religious elements of that. And then Jacob Raymond and his church, Trinity Bible Chapel, that have taken a bold stance up in um, Waterloo. They're hosting a conference November 17th to 19th. And I'm going to be doing an elder workshop at that on the Friday, I believe it is. So if you're interested in training your elders up, uh, you can find the details about that on, on their website. And then finally, uh, Ezra Institute is also hosting their annual Mission of God conference at our church in mm-hmm. Windsor, Ontario on December the 10th. And I'll be speaking of that along with Dr. Joe Boot and Andre Schutten, who's a, a Canadian lawyer, a Christian who um, works for ARPA and mm-hmm. uh, is, is a really keen legal mind. So those are some upcoming events that uh, are happening during our conference season. Yeah. And we're excited about it. So hopefully people can attend you know, one or more of those. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Those are uh, those all sound exciting. I know they're going to be they're going to be awesome. You know, I'll be going to a couple of them, and yeah, if uh, if you're a listener of this podcast and you're someone in the area, it'd be great to to go out, meet Aaron, and and just meet uh, other uh, just like minded thinkers like yourself. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your thoughts. That's our show for this week. You can find all our other episodes of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, check us out in the Fight, Laugh, Feast network app. They're great there. Or on the CJXC radio, broadcasted on Tuesdays at 11 and Thursdays at 11 p.m. Tuesdays, 11 a.m., Thursdays, 11 p.m. Hopefully, you tune in next week for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock.